Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, March 15th. This is episode number 189. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my guest, Jay Lawrence. Jay is the CEO of the Florida Stingrays. We will talk about that and some other things today, but you can find Jay on Instagram at J-A-Y Lawrence, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E, 1975. So if you want to get in touch with Jay after hearing the show, um, that would be the best way to, to get a hold of him. So Jay, uh, it's great to, great to talk to you today. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Rod, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we've been we've been uh, trying to put this together for for a few months and uh, I'm, I'm glad we've finally been able to, to do this. So uh, so it, it's really, really cool to talk to you. Uh, you are you are down in uh, in Florida. Um, remind me which town you're in down there. Yeah in Cape Coral, Florida. It's southwest Florida, about two hours south of uh, Tampa, about two hours uh, kind of north uh, west of uh, Miami. Uh, I guess uh, if you really want to know where Cape Coral is, Hurricane Ian uh, in our town this year. Uh, and it yeah. was Other than Hurricane Ian, it's a very nice place to be, though, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but you, you actually, you were born and raised uh, in Ohio, um, originally from uh, Medina, and you, you lived in Westerville also um, near Columbus, which um, you and I talked before because I lived in Westerville for a while. Um, yeah. It sounds like our... Um, you and I have a few years between us, but, uh, but we may have lived in Westerville at the same time for maybe a year or so. <laughs> yeah, we probably passed on the road once or twice. We may have. You never know. So, so that part's really cool, but uh, um, I always love finding things out like that and, you know, the old cliche about it being a small world. But when, when you talk to people who are from Ohio, you find paths have crossed all the time. So definitely very cool. But you uh, you've been living in Florida for a while. So uh, so I understand that you you still follow the Browns, but you have some other allegiances, too. So when we have a guest on this show, we, we let them talk about their Browns journey. But I'm going to kind of make this your your just your football journey. OK, because I know that you uh, you told me that you're. Your family was Browns fans when you were growing up in that, but you've lived in Florida for a long time. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm just gonna turn it over to you, Jay, and let you let you tell me about your your experience as a as a football fan. Well, I'll tell you what, um growing up, uh living in uh, Ohio, um I uh in I you know, I was a Browns fan originally. And um in fact I think we talked about this yesterday. Uh, I, me and my family was actually in the stadium when uh, John Elway broke our heart and uh, the drive happened. And uh, that's probably the first time in my life I saw grown men cry. But yeah, uh, I actually uh, started playing football around that time as well. And I was a quarterback. And wow. I saw play and that was it. Dan Marino was the you know he was the player that, you know, really uh uh, uh kinda took my football love to a whole nother level. And I um so I uh um, and we just then we ended up moving to Florida in 1988. Uh, so you know we're not too far from Miami now. Uh, but uh, you know a long line. My brothers, uh, two of my brothers are Brown fans. Uh, die hard. My dad, uh, 
you know, has loved the Browns his whole life. In fact, my dad will tell you that Bernie Kosar is the greatest quarterback for a five-year period that ever lived. And you can't get him to say anything different. That's my favorite, favorite uh, Brownie of all time. Bernie Kosar. <laughs> we, we love Bernie, especially in yeah. Cleveland and in Ohio. Definitely. Great years, man. He gave some great years to Browns fans. He sure did. He sure did. Yeah. You know, now I'm just, uh, I'm now I'm a Dolphins fan, but uh, I definitely, uh, you know, the, the Browns are kind of my second team that I always follow as well. Yeah, and and that's understandable uh, when you move away, and uh, um, you know, you you uh, you've been in Florida for quite a long time, so so I I can understand that, and. Uh, I got to tell you, I mean, Dan Marino is somebody I, I always loved as a player. Um, oh. and, and and he and Bernie, obviously, are pretty close, too. So um, Yeah, Bernie was he, Bernie came up with the uh, fake spike idea. Yeah, that they used yeah. In that uh, game, that, that was, I remember, we, I, uh, grew in high school at the time, and uh, me and another friend were both Dolphins fans, and we had another friend that was, is a Jets fans. We're still friends to this day. And we used to go over and watch, go over to the Dolphins Jets games when they play over here. Uh, and then, um, you know, we'd always get together and watch that game together. We were watching that game and yeah, man, Bernie called it. That was Bernie's idea. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. Um, yeah. Cause that play, I don't know how much they showed anymore, but they used to show that all the time. Well, they probably still do. <laughs> down, I, down in florida yeah I saw it. um actually i was watching dan marino a football life not too long ago and they actually talked about how he, uh uh dan marino brought up that bernie kozar came up with that idea yeah yeah that's just so cool just so cool to tie into bernie especially but yeah it was a great play absolutely <laughs> It's one you could pull off once, um, pretty much, but but yeah, it worked out great. <laughs> so, uh, I, go ahead. I actually had a brother, too, that was a uh, Dolphins fan when he was a kid uh, because of Paul Warfield. And so, yeah, and then now and then he became a Browns fan again. When he was, yeah, when he went back to Cleveland, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah yeah definitely definitely some connections there between uh between the browns and the dolphins definitely so let's uh i want to tie a couple things together jay because you you were uh you are in a book um you actually i guess um with uh with somebody or, or uh, maybe with some touching of a road to chapter in this book um, about yourself. And the book is called pulling each other along. Yes. Um, so, but explain this to me before we get into the book, you also received, you received an award. Yes. Um, so tell me the timeline on this between the book and the award and how this worked. Well, um, I actually, the guys who put the book together were the guys who gave me the award originally. Uh, back years ago, um, I had been involved with uh, some different pro uh, projects. I had been involved uh, for a while with the Bonacani Fund, raising money for uh, spinal cord and neurological research. Mm -hmm. And then I started a new um, uh, organization when I had started the Stingrays. And about that time, I had met um, Dave Clark, uh, who's, you want to talk about an interesting cat, man. Dave Clark uh, played minor league baseball for like 15 years, and managed overseas, managed with Tommy Lasorda on the uh, what, 84 um, uh, Olympic team. I think it was 1984. And uh, he, he, was, he pitched for 15 years from crutches. He's like five oh. and he learned to throw a knuckleball when he was a kid and he made it through. He, he 
pitched through the major leagues. It was pretty, it's pretty amazing story, but um, I met them and they were doing this. um, uh, They were doing this, uh, uh, their very first award for uh, people who do things in their community, um, disabled uh, people, you know, people with disabilities who uh, work in their community and, um, a friend of mine, David Condi, wrote uh, to them about me, and um, they chose me, and uh, they actually, I was the first recipient of their award. So we became friends, and then we've worked together over the, you know, years. Um, you know, they've worked with what I do, and then they do a, a disability dream and do day where they do a baseball camp for disabled children with the minor league baseball team be the uh, Fort Myers Miracle. Now they're the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. And okay. so I every year talk about a team jerky man. Holy cow to see those kids. You know, I mean, I, I'm disabled. I, I'm a quadriplegic. I was, but I was injured when I was, you know, 20 years old and I was always a pretty good athlete. I mean, I know what it's like to, you know, shoot a three pointer. I know what it's like to hit a score a touchdown and, throw a touchdown pass. I know what all that's like. These kids may never ever get that experience and just get to uh, uh sorry. To get all to right. see, you, know, these, you know to get to see them to experience at least even a, 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 a morsel of that or a fragment of that maybe for the only time in their life. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, they got together and they, you know, put me in this book. And it was kind of weird because it's like, you know, I'm just kind of a regular, you know, regular guy. And it's like the book is full of, you know, all these like famous people and Rocky Blyer and uh, Terry Bradshaw wrote the forward. You know, it's just crazy to you know, think that they would want to put me in there, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, you're, you were kind enough to send me the, the chapter in this book that, that is about you, that, that you wrote, and I guess uh, a friend of yours um, maybe maybe did some work on it with you. Um, but so, so, so I, I read the chapter, and it, it details... Um, you know, the, the accident that you were involved with and your recovery and some things that you've done since. And, um, I mean, and, and it talks about, if I'm not mistaken, it talks about, uh, you know, some of the athletics that you're involved in and things like that, um, when you're in high school and that nature. And I, I just, uh, first things first, I mean, when I, when I read this, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, some people are going to read this and say, I, you know, the poor guy. And, and it's like <laughs> just the, the way the way that you have 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 uh, or, or the way you met this back then. I mean, because this happened such a long time ago, you know, the way you greeted your uh, your brother and the way you kind of just um, pulled everybody up from this situation. You weren't going to, you know. Um, all I can think is that you met this thing like how I would hope I would meet it and how I would hope anybody I know would, would meet this. And it's, you know, um, it's something that happened. Um, you pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and you look at what life has, has for you after this. Um, so, you know, you hear the cl- cliche words, the, the inspiration and all this, but that's you know that's that's all great but i don't think that's how how you how you hit this it's like um it's just uh to me you just this was just like a bump in the road to you yeah i mean i don't know i guess i don't know they say god never gives you more than he knows you can handle it i don't know about that but uh you know i i you don't ever know what you can face, I guess, or you're 
figure out, find out how strong you are until you're faced with something that you have to, you know, you don't have a choice, you know, no choice in the matter. You don't, you know, it's not like, you know, I'm not going to run into this burning building or not. It's you're in the burning building and what are you going to do now? And, you know, I um, have a great, you know, family, you know, and uh, 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 believing God and um, you just, you, I guess you just, you know, it just you, you just face it the way the best that you can, you know. But thank you, thank you for the kind words. I, I'm, I'm there. I'm sure there's a lot of nights, you know. There's lots of days and nights in there that, you know, you I didn't definitely didn't face it as strongly or as. I wasn't the tough guy I would have liked to have been, you know. Um, just fortunately was able to, I guess, hide that more from everybody so that, you know, I didn't. Uh, I just kind of knew I had people around me that loved me and it would be harder on them to see me than it was for me to feel the way I was feeling. You know what I mean? Great to yeah. have something like that. Yeah, you so know? you you did you did your best to not um, bring other people down, yeah. or to let it affect them. Yeah. So, which is uh, yeah, which is which is very noble and it's very selfless, definitely. So, um, so so yeah, the. Uh, the book pulling each other along that's that's um that's been out for a couple weeks jay uh it's been out for several uh for like man maybe about a year now oh a man. year okay okay hurricane and everything yeah it's been out for about a year people can find that on amazon yep yep it's on amazon there's a, a website all about the uh the book pulling each other along um that tell it's got like a little bird or a little story about everybody in the book and the forward from um uh from uh terry bradshaw and everything and some talk there are some crazy interesting stories in there there's a there's a boxer a champion boxer with one hand (laughs) yeah that's uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds uh, sounds like a good sounds like a good read. I mean, the the rest of the book, not just your chapter. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's just it's a, just some amazing stuff. It's almost embarrassing to be amongst those incredible people. It's crazy. Well, your your uh, your humility is um, is very apparent. Um, it it's just. It it strikes me that um, I just I don't see I don't I don't believe you've ever really just been a regular a regular guy even though you see yourself that way because you were you were an outstanding um, athlete in high school um, and and you've done a lot of uh, you've done a lot of great things um, you know uh, since since uh, since this accident. Um, you know, um, but but you're humble about everything, which which to me sets you apart from a lot of people. So um, I just I wanted to go back just uh, just because hearing and, and uh, reading a little bit about some of your some of your high school glory days. What's what's your best sports story? Oh, all right. My best sports story. Let's see. Um. Um, it's got there's actually I ooh, there I'd have to say there's it would really be between two both happened my senior year. Um one was a uh was a early bird tournament, like the first tur- big tournament of the year. It was a, a, a big fundraiser for our uh for that our school put on and all the local area high schools would get involved every year. And it was a championship game, and I came up um, 
Uh, I think there was one out in the uh, uh, bottom of the seventh inning, and I hit a line drive to right. We were playing in a huge baseball park down here called uh, Terry Park. It's an old minor league stadium that's like 450 to dead center and 400. Yeah. And I hit a line drive to center field, and the center fielder made the mistake of diving for it and missing. And the ball rolled forever. And I, uh, I got, I actually, I could have scored on the play, uh, but the coach stopped me at third. But uh, so I got stopped on third, and on, and it was tied. And then the very next pitch was a pass ball. And I scored on the pass ball, and we won the game. Nice. That was nice. And then, but then at the end of our senior year, we were in our uh, conference championship game against Estero, and I came up in the top of the seventh inning, and we were going to two runs, and there were two on, and I hit a bomb. It was about halfway up the light pole as it was going out of the stadium uh, and, uh, 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 seven to six I guess so that okay. was it. so those are two pretty proud moments of my life <laughs> yeah that's <was> pretty cool <laughs> so I, I just want to touch on because um, you 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 weren't uh, you weren't real keen on talking about this a whole lot because you said it wasn't a big deal but but you you put a book out recently um, about the uh, about the hurricane because you uh, you spent some time alone and recorded your thoughts. So uh, so you have a book out called In the Eye of Ian. It's also yeah. available on Amazon. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about that so people know what that's about? Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Um, so Hurricane Ian, when it hit, it was freaking terrifying. I mean, I've been through a couple of hurricanes before. I mean, this was a Category 5 12 hours long. It was just, it was brutal. It was so freaking scary. And so, you know, there's all your these thoughts. I've got my parents uh, closer to the river, and we were sure there was, you know, a lot of flooding. There was lots of flooding, and they were pretty close. Um, I also had my pack. That lived out on Pine Island, and which was an island that the thing went right over top of. And I was sure, number one, way too stubborn to leave, and two, that there was no way not alive. So there were just so many things that were going through your head. And when I'm sitting here, I'm in a wheelchair. And I, I can't freaking swim. So I'm sitting here thinking any time now, the, you know. Water could be all of a sudden coming into my house, which was probably a pretty ignorant thought. But who cares, man? Perception, you know, was you know, it was pretty terrifying. But yeah, after the hurricane, we were without power for like eleven days, and I just kind of dictated my thoughts and uh, decided to. Actually, someone said you ought to just, you know. I found a company that helps they help together a little cover and everything. And, you know, in a couple of weeks, we, you know, put it out. And um, I, you never know. It gets self one, a million. You never know. But, uh, you know, it's not like it was my best passion work or anything like that. It was just something that, uh, you know, it was my, uh, I guess, something to do when, the lights were out and, uh, you know, might as well do something productive with it, right? <laughs> right. And that's obviously a situation that a lot of us have not been in. I mean, first of all, just being, you know, in, in the environment of uh, of a hurricane, you know, and second and, and then being in your situation as well um, to where you know, to where it's more dangerous, um, 
you know, just the thought of the water coming in and that. So, um, so yeah, so, um, definitely, uh, uh, people can find that on Amazon in the eye of, in the eye of Ian. And, uh, so, uh, so yeah, check it out, but yeah, I mean, kudos for just, uh, I, I guess turning just a thought into a project like that, you know, even if you don't think it's a big deal, it's pretty cool to, uh, to, complete something like that that just started out as kind of uh just something to pass time yeah yeah you know that's really all it was i was it was you never realize how boring it can be when you're 11 days of you know just nothing no. <laughs> yeah yeah i can't imagine 11 days is, 11 days would seem like a very long time i i can imagine that so, when you're a quadruple, picking up a book isn't simple either. Oh, I, yeah, I would, I would think not, think not. So, so let's talk a little bit about some of the, some of the, the charity work that you've been involved in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, actually, I started out um, years ago. I started with the Bonacani Fund, your paralysis. Um, I here locally and then um as i aspired to get into doing my own thing i, I started um uh kind of doing uh uh my football team the florida stingrays and really using it as a community outreach getting the uh players involved in different um like uh i mean we've done lots of different things over the years we've done um started out doing like free football camps and stuff like that and going to schools um we've uh, uh, for um uh you know uh, veterans events and things like that uh currently we get involved uh we actually have a monthly foster child outreach we do uh, with we started a few years ago with our church um, we'll like send them to bush garden uh, i'm sorry we'll send them like a uh, like the beach or like um, uh, bowling or Dave and Buster's, things like that. Or mm-hmm. money in the budget, we send them to like uh, Bush Gardens, uh, uh, you know, or uh, different things like that. Just uh, it, we work with two different homes. It's a boy's home and a girl's home. And really show, you know, these kids that a lot of times, you know, these kids that think that nobody really cares about them that you know somebody does and um sometimes some of the players will you know go with them uh you know it just depends on you know what kind of money we have if we can you know pay for the players and stuff like that but um a lot of the guys like to get involved in the camps and you know going into the school and stuff like that um so um but um we we did a we just did a uh, Place for Tots football game uh, this past, um, uh, what was it, in December. And we had uh, Tito Ortiz, uh, the UFC fighter, mm-hmm. uh, honorary captain. He actually just moved to our town here. Um, and so he came out and he was our on our sidelines for the whole game, stuck around, watched the game. Really great guy. And we yeah. just... Uh, we had over 200 uh, uh, toys for that we brought in for that game. Uh, we let people come in. From- That's great. That's great. So, so uh, maybe I should have started with this, but uh, but you you're the CEO of the Florida Stingrays, um, and and you really a lot of your charity work is tied in with the team as you've just described. So, so why don't we go, go back to how you started your work with the Stingrays and kind of, kind of where you are right now with the team. All righty. Um, I started with the Stingrays Act in 2008. Uh, it was an arena team that some guys from Texas were bringing to town and, um, I saw it online and um, I decided to get involved. Uh, I, you know, wrote them a letter, like a part-time 
uh, like part-time sales or whatever. And mm-hmm. so um, about a month later, they made me a sales manager and hired some people under me. And then when the season started, they actually fired the general manager and made me the general manager. Well, unfortunately, at the time, it was, you know, that's when the economy fell out. And the guys who owned the team were younger guys who had made a lot of money in real estate and spent a lot of money. So they didn't have a whole lot of money to finish the season with. So, to uh, pull up and leave town. And so here I was with a team and some local investors and another guy that had, uh, you know, come in originally and, you know, no. So we kind of had to put things together and we did and we fixed it. We finished the season. And a couple years later, I wanted to bring it back and, uh, I came across the idea that the hackers about selling stock shares, and I thought, man, that would be a good way to do it. Then I started putting together a plan at that time to start stock shares. Um, I started, uh, but, you know, it kind of went to the back burner. There wasn't a real easy way to do it. So I started... The Stingrays, we started as a outdoor semi-pro team again. Uh, the, the And what we had done with that, we used it. Um, we uh, Our motto for the team is football is just the vehicle, longer community destination. So what we did is we got, we started offering opportunities to players uh, who were looking to either get a professional or a collegiate opportunity. And we started helping them become, started trying to help them become better, uh, you know, not just better players, but better uh, people by getting them involved in these community outreach programs like the, you know, uh, football, you know, the um, uh, football camps for kids and stuff like that. Uh, funny thing, we actually had Sammy Watkins at our very first camp. He was a uh, uh, graduated high school then. Nice. Yeah. So, um, but uh, so yeah, so we uh, 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 last thirteen years with the Stingrays, we've been doing this uh, program. We've um, had several guys that have gone on to play professional guys. The college ball as well. We've had uh, we had two guys that went overseas and got to play um, uh, over in um, Serbia and in South America. Professional. Cool. So, yeah. So we really um, we really uh, uh, had some success. I mean, uh, the last couple years, especially this year, it's been really tough. Uh, we've, uh, you know, the hurricane uh, came through and it knocked out all of our practice facilities. So getting practice fields at night have been impossible. Had some guys uh, on the team that, you know, we're getting guys that they're very talented, but they're playing in semi-pro and not somewhere. And we've had some issues with some players, some serious issues that we've never had to deal with before. You know, guys, in one instance, uh, saying he was going to bring it. And I have a that uh, on my that was a player on my team at a party that got shot. He's old. He's a young kid. He's he got shot, and. Two years later, he's back coaching on my sidelines in a wheelchair. Mm. I didn't kind of lightly, and I've been, I'm sorry for saying that, but I don't take this kind of stuff lightly, and I've been beside myself with this. But, you know, chances are what they are, and come up that make you what you are, it's how you deal with the challenges. 
That's right. Definitely yeah. right. Yeah, it's so. something that's, you know, uncommon in the semi-pro game. It's just something that's been uncommon for my team. I haven't had to deal with this in 13 years, and I'm not happy about dealing with it now. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that you, I mean, you care about all your players. Uh, and uh, I, I can tell you're you're a caring person anyway. So um, obviously with all the work that you do um, and the way you present yourself. So, so yeah, it, it would be tough to, tough to go through that um tough to see that with especially with young men like that so definitely so so jay let's um let's transition a little and and um i'm going to just turn this over to you and anything you'd like to share about any future plans that, that you've been contemplating and what you would like to share on the podcast well uh this is the exciting stuff Rod, um, <laughs> shared it with you, and um, I've got, uh, I mentioned a little bit about the stock sharing plan. Yeah. So, last year, I got a call from one of the arena leagues, and they wanted me to put my Stingrays team in their arena league. And I was, yes, absolutely, I'll do that, because I knew I could sell stock shares. And uh, in the last couple of years, there's been a thing that came out called equity crowdfunding, where it's essentially like a crowdfunding like Kickstarter or, uh, um, you know, GoFundMe or whatever, except with this, you're actually uh, purchasing IPOs that, you know, they become uh, when the campaign. So, um, I called the local arena and I said, hey, he's in there and they honestly, Rod, they told me no because they ended up working with some people that I told them not to work with years before. <laughs> you know, you know what they say about the horse and leading them to water and all of that, Jeff. Right. So, anyway, so. After that, I got an idea, and I called Ohio State University. And I just kind of, I, I, I said, left a message first. I, I said, uh, you know, if a new arena football team came to Columbus with the goal of raising money for Ohio State's NIL program, how many shares of stock do you think we could sell to Buckeye fans, you know, locally, even, even around the country? And I actually got a callback relatively quickly on that um, because, um, I don't know, I'm a Buckeye fan, Rod, and I assume you're a Buckeye fan. And Yes, sir. I know I live in Cape Coral, Florida, and I see more Buckeye hats and shirts and plate paraphernalia. Then uh, the three Florida teams. And uh, so I kind of got to talking with them and I began formulating this uh, program. Uh, and to be honest with you, Rod, I've had the idea for this team for probably 10 years. I've had a Facebook page up for it. Mm -hmm. uh, if it wasn't for an arena team, I was going to do something else with it, but. Um, the team's called the Ohio Pride, and the uh, logo is like a, a pretty cool-looking lion. Uh, um, and, you know, pride is kind of a double meaning about the lion and then the way us Ohioans are so proud about being from Ohio. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> the, um, uh, we're putting together the plan. It's going to be simple. Uh, we're going to look to raise $5 million by selling 50,000 stock share packages. Each package will have 10 shares of stock for $100. Uh, uh, as we put it together, uh, you know, um, 
60% of the ownership is somehow going towards Ohio State. And I'm not sure how it's going to be happening. I've been in touch with some former Buckeyes. I've been in touch with um, some collectives. Um, but either way, a large chunk of money is going to go to but there's also going to be an opportunity for the investors to make money as well. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to get to vote on this kind of stuff. I mean, they'll have, you know, a minority voice in the future of the team and the opportunity to profit off of the success that we build together. And that means that all of our fans financially incentivized and emotionally incentivized to support you know because the emotional part comes from well supporting your team that you own uh the financial incentive comes from actually being able to make money from the team that you own making money and also the emotion comes from you're helping ohio state athletes and making sure that your boy Jay down here doesn't have to listen to SEC fans all, every freaking fall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What do you think, man? Sometimes, sometimes it's fun. Yeah, I mean it, it's it's an exciting it's an exciting plan. I mean uh, we. We love football in Ohio, and and not to say that people don't love it other places, they do. But uh, there are a lot of great football fans in the state of Ohio. It's something different in Ohio, I think. It, it, it is. is. I'll tell you, my uh, I grew up in Westville, but my family grew up in Orville, and I have a brother that, as a child if you told him the Browns could beat the Orville Red Riders. <laughs> you know, look at Mass, you know, look at the, I don't know if you've seen the Maslin docu- documentary. Uh, you know, Maslin, they got like, I don't know, I don't remember the ratio, but it's crazy, like 30,000 seats in this football stadium and like 18,000 people in the city or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's just, you know, it's just, I, I, if I could stand the weather, I'd live there myself. But uh, at least I can maybe give something great to Buckeye Nation here with this. And then maybe we can franchise it. And, you know, um, I got some ideas to take this plan and actually take it to another level as well. Awesome. So, so where do you stand with the with the plan as far as Columbus is concerned. How how close or how far uh, do you feel you are at this point? Well, um, I plan on la- launching a, like kind of like a pre-launch of the equity crowd fund here in the next month. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put out a post on our uh, Facebook page and our new and Essentially, what people can do is they can go into the WeFunder page and they can either uh, like a purchase or um, uh, reserve their shares and mm-hmm. be invited into like a um, like a chat room type of deal where we will all we will actually be able to have in as we develop the um, campaign. And I'm looking to launch that uh, July, no later than August 1st. And where we make it public and, you know, everybody is, you know, involved. Yeah. So, so yeah, so th- this thing, this thing's, uh, it, it's close. And, uh, and um, yeah, so, so people... People, uh, people can get involved here pretty quickly, and yeah. and support us and and help you get it rolling. Yeah, the thing is, I don't expect a whole lot of people to believe in me. Um, 
to, to totally believe in me yet. I mean, there's so many people out there that have scammed people and screwed people and stuff. But I'm going to either get one of these former Buckeyes or uh, one of these collectives involved. And one, mm-hmm. I don't think there's going to be much chance for anybody to get involved. I mean, when you think about it, 50000 is something that Buckeye fans want. That's only a hundred dollars is not going to last very long once right. it's it for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So it's just yeah. a matter of deciding who I'm gonna work with there and and uh you know, I and who knows, you know, I, I'm really looking for talented people. I'd like uh you know, I'd like the first investors to be the people that really want to get involved and get their hands dirty and go after sponsors and you know, I'll pay people for all that kind of stuff. You know, you know, we'll we'll have packages of it, you know, immediately if for anybody that wants to get involved and you know go after it and make some money. You know, interesting. Make this a whole uh, like I said, my whole football is just a community is the destination, that whole like, I want to bring that to Columbus. I want to bring that to everywhere I do this kind of a football program. Do it where, like, even with semi-pro, when I send these guys into schools, the kids don't care that they don't know what semi-pro means. They know <laughs> these men in uniforms, and they're going to sit there with their hands folded and listen to whatever they have to say. Right. And bring a good message with that you can really affect communities you gotta you know that's where it's got to be it's got to be with the kids and like like man i'll tell you one big pat like i told you about the gun thing with our team one big our city here had not too long ago the city of cape coral where i live is fort myers at one point we were the most violent per capita in the nation because um, these two neighborhoods went to war with each other and like there were you know of course I knew guys that were you know involved in this uh, as far as you know kids that got shot because you know I had football players that lived in these communities and like you know like that and and I watch and and I see this stuff in the news and about you know, and I just think there's got to be there's got to be a way to stop that kind of stuff going on. And I don't know, man. Maybe I'm maybe I'm uh, naive to think that you know football can be the way to do it, but man, at least it can be a way to do it. You know there. And I'll do the, you know, that's the only way I know. And I'll do the best I can to try to make it happen. Right. You, you can't fix, you can't fix everything at once. You can, you can try to do your part and, and affect change through, through what you have your hands on. Right. So I, I think that's what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it sounds like you're doing, uh, you're doing a great job. With the stingrays and and hopefully hopefully uh, that can continue with the Ohio Pride and uh, and and maybe other teams after that. Yeah, there's <laughs> we. Uh, I got a friend that's doing a um, putting together a prep academy at the Minnesota Vikings new facility um, in Minneapolis and. Um, he actually did a uh, – he was one of the linebackers. He actually did a recruiting uh, up there in Canton at the Hall of Fame, uh, his, his company Legit Rare. Um, and, um, yeah, um, Kevin Johnson's his name. He's uh, really doing some great things, helping kids get into school. And uh, he's got some really great ideas, and me and him – are coming together on something that I think is really going to change football. I think it's going to change football in America forever and maybe 
I can come back and talk to you about it before we do that next. That would that would be great. <laughs> it would be wonderful. So, uh, so yeah. But um, again, people, if I guess if they want to learn more at this point, it'd probably be best to contact you. Contact you on Instagram. At um, um, the uh, at you know at at J Lawrence nineteen seventy five on Instagram. So, um, but uh, or, or uh, J Lawrence on uh, um, on Facebook. If you look up J Lawrence, you'll... J Lawrence on Facebook. Okay, all right. Yeah. So either either way, um, but uh, very exciting news. I'm very very excited to. Uh, to watch the uh, and and root for the success of of, of the uh, of the Ohio Pride and uh, as that as that unfolds in Columbus. So so let's. Um, I'll make sure I have you at my first game and I'll be there too. That's going to be a long drive because I am not getting on a plane. But <laughs> that would be one. That would be awesome. <laughs> let's. Um, Hey Jay, let's let's just talk for just a few minutes about a little bit of uh, Browns news. Um, if you're following this, great. If not, I understand you're probably more of a Dolphins fan, but um, just kind of want to talk briefly about the the players the Browns have signed up to this point. And if if you have if you have uh, thoughts, great. If not, that's okay. I'll tell you, I actually saw. I think. I don't even know. I don't know who they've signed yet, but I'm excited to hear. But I do know that they restructured Deshaun's contract, and that's probably the best thing they're going to do. Yeah, they restructured him. That freed up. I um, I don't have the numbers in front of you, but I think third on the order of thirty six million. Um, yeah. So uh, I believe that's the number. Um, but they they signed, and I don't know if this is in order or not, but. And I'm going to do the hardest name first because I haven't heard his name pronounced. Um, that's it's Ogbanya Akaronkwo. There's a defensive end. He was with the Texans, and the Browns signed him to a three-year deal. That's um, I believe it's um, in the 19 to 22 million dollar range, um, depending. I think it can get up to 22 million. So they must have some incentives worked in there, uh, but. Kind of de- kind of depends who you talk to, whether he's a rotational. People think he's a rotational guy to the guy who's going to be opposite Miles. Um, pe- most people love this signing because this guy's got just a ton of speed. He's he's uh, really done well at pressuring the quarterback, but he doesn't have he doesn't have a ton of sacks or or uh, or uh, playing time. I don't think in his you know, in his career up to this point. So, um, but the, but the talent is there and the contract is, is not, is not too bad for a guy who's probably going to compliment miles pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. Use it as a, uh, it sounds like he's going to be like the, uh, Jadavian Clowney replacement, you know, a situational pass rusher to come in and, you know, change of pace, you know, put on some speed and, He's he's he is fast. Whether he's going to be out there all the time, I don't know. Um, but if he if he's out there pressuring the quarterback most of the time, then then the Browns um, really have something uh, with with he and Miles. Back did he have last year? I, did- um, I don't have last year's number. I think he. My understanding is he has nine and a half sacks in his career, but he's a pretty young guy, so. Um, I didn't look up his year-to-year numbers, but his his QB pressures are pretty are pretty good, and his percentages um, are pretty outstanding. That's what I was gonna say. You figure if he's probably if he's only uh, like a lot of people will look at the sack number and just think that's how good a pass rusher. But if he's only been using in situations and third you know third down and stuff like that, he's not gonna get that many opportunities. As other people, so yeah, if it's bringing him and uh, wreak havoc on third downs, it sounds like you know j- even the pressures just to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. Yeah, yeah, and he, he's not a real big guy. He's um he's six two two fifty three, so he's not 
you know, maybe he's not um, suited to be out there all the time, but um, but I I think I think he's going to help a lot, <laughs> just because I I've seen some of the the tape that the guys have put up on Twitter, and man, the guys he's got speed to burn, and I think he's going to cause problems for teams, especially because they're they're not going to be able to put three guys on Miles if he's out there. <laughs> I'll tell you, we had this kid. His name was Bobby Rosario. He was a Marine, came to play for our team. Uh, I don't know, probably 5'8", and maybe 100, maybe 200 pounds, maybe 190 pounds. Uh, played defensive end for us in our, in 2017, we won the, the championship. Mm-hmm. And our coach brilliantly put him at defensive end. The dude had nine sacks in the championship game. In one game. In one game. He ended up up getting um, that summer and signed a professional contract to go play in Serbia. When he got over there, they put him at running back, and he dominated. Wow. That's crazy. Wow. Um, Don't. don't look down on those undersized guys because they can be a pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Browns also signed uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, defensive tackle uh, from uh, – he was with Minnesota. So they signed him to a big contract, four years, $57 million, But the Browns needed yeah. and, and still need some help at defensive tackle. But he's uh, – man, they really needed a guy like this, a, a run stopper. Um, yeah just a guy in the middle because the guys they had last season, I don't know. I don't know how many of them are going to be around or how many, you know, it's almost like the Browns need to bring in like three new defensive tackles because um, they just, the guys were overmatched last season and didn't do much to help miles. um, Didn't stop the run very effectively. And, and this is just a great start to, to have somebody like Tomlinson come in. Yeah, I, I thought he was actually tied with somebody else, and that was uh, I had heard that he was going somewhere else. That's actually a good signing for the Browns. That's pretty yeah. huge. Yeah, it's a it's a huge signing. Um, other than that, the Browns have just brought back three of their own players. Um, they brought back Ethan Posick, um, their center, um, who wasn't their starting center last season, but played a good part of the season um, when when their starter went down early. Um, so they signed him to a three-year deal, and he played extremely well last year. So that's a very good signing for the line. Um, they they signed, uh, and then they signed uh, Sione Takitaki to a one-year deal. He's um, he's coming back from an injury, but he should be ready pretty early. Um, he was having an outstanding season last year when he got hurt, but they signed him to a one-year, I think it's 2.5 in that range uh, deal. And they signed their cornerback, A.J. Green, one year for about 2.6 because um, you can never have enough cornerbacks in this league. <laughs> so, you like the best name on the team, so you couldn't let him go either. Who's that? Taki Taki had the best name on the team, so you couldn't let him go Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm, I'm surprised his jersey sales. I mean, it, it, I'm surprised his jersey sales aren't, like, one of the top top ones but um I, you know it, i guess uh i guess he still has time <laughs> but yeah i love the name uh, the fact that he and sheldrick redwine were taken in the same draft draft class was pretty cool i thought these guys have great jersey names right. <laughs> so um uh, Browns still have some work to do. Um, I keep I keep checking my phone to see when they're going to sign a free safety. Uh, don't believe they've done so yet, but I think they're just kind of waiting on the market. Um, you know, just at this point, I think they're just being patient because there are probably still a few guys left who they feel can do the job, and they're probably just waiting on the right deal. Uh, not you know trying not to go out and force you know, force something and spend money that they feel like they don't need to spend. And it's probably the same deal at uh, wide receiver. The Browns probably want to bring in a, a free agent wide receiver, but they don't want to spend big money on it or give up. Uh, 
much of the uh, limited draft capital that they have, so they're probably kind of holding up there too. Um, I don't get as excited about the skill position as I do the line signings. I mean, yeah, there are the great different ma- difference makers out there, but like the drop off between a lot of guys at a lot of the skill positions I don't know is as drastic so much harder to find quality linemen, you know, uh-huh. on both sides. and if you can win the battle on both sides of the line, usually uh, you're going to win the battle on the outside too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the Browns are, the Browns have a new defensive coordinator and Jim Schwartz, who's, who's known to, make guys on the defensive line look pretty good <laughs> with the way he, with the uh, defensive schemes he plays. How, how much of a difference in your opinion is it going to make for the Browns to bring in a, a true free safety to go with the strong corners that they have in a defense like this? I'll tell you, man, like safety, I mean, because a free safety is basically the quarterback of the safety. You know, he's the guy that's back there and can see everything, man. Um, I don't know. Great safety play, I think, hides a lot of uh, maybe average corner play in a lot of instances. And that's, I, I would say, I think free safety is, uh, I, I would actually make that a focal point of of the offseason as any position. Yeah, the Browns probably have, and I don't have a list of every team's corners in front of me, but with, with the cornerbacks the Browns have, they're, I, I, would, I would think that they have to be as strong one through three as anybody in the league. Sure. But, but – They've had issues at safety. Essentially, they've had three strong safeties on the roster for the past couple of seasons, and they've had a guy back there trying to play free safety who wasn't real comfortable doing his job. And now I think they're going to actually try to bring somebody in who, you know, who's probably a little more comfortable in that role. And and I think it'll be interesting to see how much of a difference it makes in your overall defense. But I think what you said earlier is probably more important, and that's addressing the line. And and Tomlinson and Akaronkwo are are probably going to help a lot more than than a new free safety is. Well, yeah, you're um when your defensive line is making the quarterback throw the ball quicker than he wants to, it makes your quarterbacks look a lot better too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Would be good to see uh, a few more turnovers. So, uh, so hopefully, hopefully, um, we're going to see more signings here. Uh, Browns, have, I think most fans are probably pretty happy. Um, they were disappointed up until the, the Tomlinson signing, and now it's like, oh, okay, they are addressing the defensive line because <laughs> everybody knew that was a problem. Um, yeah, I haven't got to talk to my brother Marv, who's the Marv's. The- introduced me to you he's yeah uh, you and you know he's uh like he lives and dies by it so i haven't got to tease him too much you know usually when i'm around him i don't let on as much as i like the browns and i'll tease him and you know (laughs) yeah just you know you got to do that (laughs) yeah so um so yeah there's there's more coming and it's it's always fun watching teams uh you know kind of rebuild uh, the rosters at this point and try to figure out what you think they're going to do. And just, uh, it's hard not to get excited about any team at this point in the year when you see them bringing in new talent. You know, even if your team loses some guys, it's hard not to be optimistic because you're sitting here, okay, we got these new guys and we still got the draft coming. And and the guys we had last year, they're going to be better this year. Yeah, they're on my team, man. Now they're they're my, you know, now they're family. 
The guys who left are gone, and the guys who are here are family. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. Dude, man, I get really excited about watching the draft, although, you know, the NFL took the Dolphins' first pick this year. I at least can watch the Browns and see what they do. Well, yeah, the Browns don't have a first rounder either this year, so uh, so maybe maybe we'll skip the first day, Jay. Yeah, you could talk during the draft or something. Yeah, we'll figure something out. <laughs> but the rest of it's fun, even if I don't know all the players going down into the low, into the lower rounds, it's still fun to watch. So. And I always, you know, I always root for the Buckeyes and the Ohio guys and the Big Ten guys. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a cool time. It's a really cool time, definitely. So, so Jay, it's it's been great talking to you. Let's yeah. um, I want to give you a chance to to just give any closing thoughts, whether it's about the Browns or the Stingrays or your book or just or life advice or anything you want to leave people with. Ooh, okay. I'll tell you one one thing. I definitely got to say brownies. Directly to the Browns organization. Just lost my mom. She was 87 years old. My dad is 90 years old. My dad has loved the Browns his whole life. Please. Please, Brownies. Win a Super Bowl for my dad. That's about it. (laughs) We would all love for that to happen, Jay. Hope it happens uh, very, very soon. So, That's for all you suffering Browns fans, as it is for my dad. Yeah, definitely. So, so it's been great talking to you, Jay. This thank is absolutely. This has been the Browns Blitz. We thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>